Welcome to Antimatterpod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext and subspace, hosted by Annika and Liz. Today we're talking about the two new short treks and the news out of New York Comic Con, which was a while ago, but we've been busy. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> yeah, look, real life just got ahead of us. It, it's unavoidable sometimes. Apparently this is a hobby, not a job. Hey. Part mm-hmm. of what I was doing was planning a Star Trek convention. I think you can be excused. So. Yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, part of what I was doing was attending a non-Star Trek convention and stalking Jason Isaacs. So that was nice. He was awesome. lovely. You know, they, they take your phone and your bag and usher you into the, the little photography area. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw him doing the photograph of the person ahead of me. And I was like, oh, my God, he has a beard. And had they not taken my phone, I would have been frantically shouting at the cat discord going, forgive the profanity. No one warned me the motherfucker would be beardy. <laughs> I find photo ops extremely stressful, personally. Yeah, I can. I cannot imagine like that kind of surprise, and then having to be ready to go right away. I need warning. I sort of woke up that morning going, I don't like meeting people or crowds or big events. Why am I doing this? And I was very concerned that I would embarrass myself or say something inappropriate or just generally come across as weird. But I didn't. He was very gracious, very professional. He spent a lot of time uh, persuading a small child who told him that he hated Slytherin, that Slytherin is great and you only go to jail for a little while and your family only hates you a little bit. So, yeah, it was it was really fun. He was very nice. Oh, that sounds adorable. Uh, 17 years ago at the Chamber of Secrets premiere in Australia, my best friend met him and she was actually the first adult costumed cosplayer he ever met. And he was really interested and he asked lots of intelligent questions about it and he signed a photo for her and wished her love, luck and therapy. And I was only wished love and luck, so I I feel like I came out ahead of her there. I have not, I haven't done a photo op um, or like a autograph or anything. I haven't had any personal FaceTime with Jason Isaacs. I've just um, seen him uh, up on stage doing his, his thing. Mm. But, uh, you know, he's hilarious on Twitter um, and in person, you know, is very charming and seems to be a generally good person. And, uh, and genuinely fun. So Yeah, you don't want to make too many assumptions about someone who is basically doing public appearances as part of their work. Like, they might be deeply terrible in real life, but yeah. he, seems, he seems pretty consistent in his persona as the funny dad of various canons. And self-deprecating. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the other thing. Uh, yeah, so he was he was nice, he was fun, it wasn't wasn't weird, and then I went to the artist Sally and bought a lot of goose merch. <laughs> of course. You're the goose queen. I didn't mean to be, I really don't like birds. <laughs> but it's a cute goose. I know, and like no one's pretending that it's a nice bird. That's right. Yes. He's he's just being himself. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you went to New York Comic Con. I did. 
I went to New York Comic Con and I got to see the Discovery and the Star Trek Picard uh, panels. I I sat through the Walking Dead presentation in order to get a good seat for the Star Trek panels. I have not seen very much Walking Dead. I saw like. I don't know. It's been on like seven seasons or something. I have maybe seen seven episodes. It's more than I've seen. But I enjoyed it, I just want to say. And I got retweeted by The Walking Dead, like the official account. <laughs> What's something I said? And, I, and then I was getting notifications for that tweet all day. Like going into the next day, <laughs> I was getting notifications about this Walking Dead tweet. And I was like, I I don't know anything about The Walking Dead. I just <laughs> thought Norman Reedus was cute. Like, I'm sorry. This is yeah. not the fandom you're looking for. It was it was very funny. And then, like, no Star Trek people, you know, <laughs> paid attention to me. But that's fine. I wasn't expecting attention. It was just really funny that I literally was getting notifications for, like, you know, 36 hours after tweeting about The Walking Dead. Yeah. So, uh, I watched the trailers that came out of those Star Trek panels. Didn't watch the Walking Dead trailer, can't think why. Uh, but I didn't sit down and watch the footage of the panels the way I did with San Diego. So, were they interesting? The panels, yes. I, the Discovery panel was more informative mm-hmm. than the Picard panel. Um, the Picard panel was sort of like nostalgic. Like, there was a lot of, we're really excited to be doing this show that we're going to tell you absolutely nothing about. At this distance out, I'm not surprised. No. And um, whereas Discovery was breaking down the last season as well as looking forward to the next season. So there was more depth to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, That sounds frustrating, though, given our feelings about last season. Well, my, okay. So... Sonequa Martin-Green is an amazing speaker. She is so passionate. She loves Star Trek, and she loves Discovery, and she loves Michael Burnham. And the way she talks about the show that she is starring in and what it is doing within the Star Trek universe, Mm -hmm. it's like, wow, I really want to watch that show. And I really don't feel like Discovery is is what you're talking about, unfortunately. So, um, I'm still sort of angry at Discovery, Mm. and nothing that I am angry about was addressed in any way. No, there was no jewels to go, hey, so so this, you know, woman of colour whose achievements you've erased. So, I mean, I, I, I appreciate that they're looking forward to everything and that they're they're excited to start their new stories and they they Mm. said like a lot at least four times at least four different people said how important it is to be true to the star trek vision and 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 continuity and and canonness and it was just sort of weird that they kept saying how important it is that they yeah, that to me suggests that they're going to do something that will initially seem extremely <laughs> radical and controversial. Yes. And they're sort of getting their ducks in their row for the PR. 
Yeah, exactly. That's how it felt. It felt it felt proactive <laughs> and mm. sort of disingenuous because of that. It was like a, a political statement, you know? Like yes. they were they were putting it out there like this is what we believe so that when whatever happens happens we can, you know, say, Oh, trust us again it's gonna be like the whole trust us again. Trust yeah. us, it's going to be fine. And it's like, I want to trust you guys. And it's not like I don't enjoy the show. I enjoy watching the show. Mm. I, there are many of the characters that I have very strong feelings for and really, really like. And I want this show to be great. Yes. <laughs> I just, I don't know. My sense is, like I said in our last episode, I don't trust them anymore. And yet, the fact that they're sort of getting their ducks in a row in this way suggests that they are going to go back to doing something, you know, doing really radical things with the premise. And that excites me a little. And the trailer got me excited is too strong a word, but now I'm keen to see season three. Whereas before, it was just, you know, it was just a blank space. You know, we don't know anything about the 33rd century. Now we've seen Trills, we've seen Lurians, we've seen Cardassians. I am excited. Yeah, I think I I liked the trailer. It was funny because it started and the sound was off. <laughs> but no one, like, wanted to stop it or say anything. Everyone was just sort of like, this is the way, like, even the actors were like, mm. because they hadn't seen it. Like, this is how it's supposed to be. <laughs> this They must be, like, making a statement about what's happening by not having any sound. <laughs> and, it was, and it was like, no, there's just broken sound when i re-watched the trailer on StarTrek.com for this episode uh it also started without sound and i was like oh i don't remember this now being how it was on my phone but it's a bit of a brave choice and then you know lips are moving and you realize that no the sound is just muted but yeah apparently this is a thing i really liked the glimpses of different things that we got to see i i loved the the uh different hairstyles on michael like i was just like oh i'm into this way of of showing how time passes that's fun and like she's bored and all alone and so she has nothing better to do than to do her hair which or to is like great like i program program Honestly. a hologram to do her hair i yeah, don't know exactly. if women can do braids like that on their own i certainly couldn't but then my hair wouldn't do it anyway so, yeah, I really liked the changes in hairstyles, but the braids she ends up with is what I had pictured for Mirror Michael. So <laughs> I'm just kind of, no, no, that's real Michael. Look at her. Look at her. She's nice. Um, I'm excited <laughs> for more trill culture because yes. I'm super into trill culture. I liked the little glimpses of other, like, reunions and it was like oh you know building the family back and, and mm. bringing it all together i don't i don't have a sense of the new guy at all from the panel or the trailer he's no but hot <laughs> but I, that's it that's all i've got michael is allowed to have a hot boyfriend <laughs> yeah i mean definitely into like i would ship that um, and you know, they they are definitely hinting that something happened to the Federation mm. and or Starfleet. Which I assume is where the controversy is going to be. You know, how dare you? But it's 900 years. Okay, so That's I'm going to have to go into my other fandom briefly. The fact which, that the which Jedi other Order... <laughs> my, okay. The Jedi Order specifically 
is stagnant for 900 years because Yoda's in charge of it. Yeah. And, like, it fails. Yes. <laughs> and yes. it's destroyed because of that. And so you need to have new people and new visions, and, and it doesn't have to be over. The Federation, I don't want the Federation to be destroyed. I don't want the Jedi Order to be destroyed. I just want them to evolve with the time. If you can't be one thing for 900 that years. That is exactly what I was going to say. Like, the idea that the Federation that the, the universe needed in the 22nd century should never change and never evolve. And, you know, maybe that is not the organization that everyone needs or that is good for everyone a few hundred years down the line and that's okay because societies change and their needs change and you know we've gone from the roman empire to the holy roman empire to just the catholic church you know if someone from a thousand years ago popped up today they would be shocked at the state of the universe but some things would still be the same that's a really good way of putting it like dragging the catholic church into mm, it like mm. good job <laughs> The Federation is the Catholic Church. You heard it here first. Sorry, Jean. <laughs> um, so many people would hate that, but <laughs> as an analogy, it's real. As an analogy, it's really good. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I am. I am definitely going to watch. I'm excited to be excited again. I think that's what I want. All I want yes. is to get excited again. I'm not there yet, but I'm looking forward to it. No, I agree on all counts. I think I'm intrigued more than excited, I think, is, is the way to put it. But I think by the time the series actually comes out, I will be keen again. And, you know, I think just seeing the Discovery crew and seeing that this is still their story, as predicted at the end of season two, that makes the end of the epilogue to that season much I won't say better, but I can more easily forgive it. Mm. Yeah, and that's important, and given that like the short tracks are all enterprise, <laughs> yeah, related um, so far. Which, which I know that the there are other ones coming, but I'm just I'm just saying they they, they started with those. Yeah, and I have to admit. Like, the opening scenes of Q&A with Spock preparing to be aboard and Number One preparing to greet him, I was like, I don't want to spend time with these people. I'm sorry. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes. Uh, we have a new Picard trailer. Yes, and that was super exciting to... Everyone was there to see the Picard trailer. Like, I'm know, not surprised. I, yeah. I, I'm not saying that they don't like Discovery, but... Everyone was there to specifically see Patrick Stewart and a new trailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so the excitement in the room was intense. Like, it was really, you could feel it. And when Riker came on screen, <laughs> I, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't hear. I missed the fact that his kid was speaking the first time. Because everyone was shouting so much that I didn't hear dad. <laughs> they, like, Patrick Stewart played it again immediately, so we watched it twice in a row, and it was like the second time that I figured out that uh, it was his child was, was calling. And I was like, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so that so, so that is a representation of how everyone in the entire room was screaming and shouting and excited about the glimpse of Riker <laughs> doing his I, dishes. I was kind of delighted that Riker, who was introduced as this super macho, masculine, manly man, is, you know, he comes back and he's wearing an apron and doing the dishes. And, you know, that's that's so great. Like, Amazing. he has evolved and our idea of masculinity has evolved since 1987. And it's just, you know, I don't want Picard to be purely a nostalgia fest, but I really like these people. Yeah, and I don't think, like, I didn't get the impression that it's going to be a nostalgia fest. They definitely are, it's its own story, and they are mm. dedicated to their new characters. And we saw more of them, too. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Daj kissing the uh, Romulan guy who's played by the Australian. I don't know if I ship that, but I'm open to it. <laughs> there were a couple, like, now kiss moments in that yeah. trailer and I was like oh yeah I'm ready mm, I'm ready to mm. ship everyone in this series let's go my body is ready super super ready I feel like because Michelle Hurd's character is meant to be an ex of Picard's and I feel like on the one hand she's only in her late 40s or early 50s she's a bit young for him but then you look at Patrick Stewart's wife and you go yeah well uh mostly I just don't want Beverly to be dead like Picard has exes all over the galaxy and they're always really cool women who maybe have a flexible relationship with the law, but Beverly. Yeah. Who, who would 100% break the law too for her patience or if she felt like it? <laughs> they didn't say anything about Beverly at the New York mm. Comic Con, but at Dest Destination Birmingham, he did say that he would love to work with Gates again and is not like counting it out. Or something like that. Okay, that came as a relief to me because it means it sounds like she is not in season one, but hasn't been killed off off, off screen or anything like that. Which, right. yeah, that would be that. I would be honestly be the worst case scenario. Is same dead off screen. <laughs> yeah, this is maybe TMI, but I suffer from a thing called premenstrual dysphoria disorder, which is like PMS, but much much worse and so when these new trailers came out I was in such a bad place that my uterus was sort of sitting me down and going hey they're just going to kill all the female characters you love off screen Beverly Janeway seven of nine will probably die on screen and you'll have to watch that like you watched Kat die and you know now I, I'm feeling much better and I don't think any of that is strictly likely to happen but that yeah. that's kind of where I was where these when these trailers came out Seven of Nine, I will say that was my favorite part of the trailer. I mean, <laughs> predictively, that was my favorite part of the trailer. But I like, had a, you know, in my gut emotional reaction to her line that she helps people who need help. Yes. I, I was just like, that's the, she's the perfect character. She's, she's everything. She was already my, you know, self-insert survivor character. And once you've survived, this is a, uh, it's a psychology thing that I don't recall the, the name of, but I call uh, the Persephone mm. effect, which is that once you survive the underworld, then you help everybody else who comes that, into it. 
And that is such a good story for Seven of Nine as Janeway's protege. You know, that was that was Janeway's whole deal that she would save every single person she can. And now Seven of Nine is like, I don't know, rescuing Borg drones or something. It's a, such a great culmination of two arcs. Exactly. And so I am so here for Seven being a badass Avenger. Seven of Nine with two guns. I didn't know, didn't know that was something I needed in my life. I, I don't really think of gun imagery or phaser imagery when I think of Star Trek, except, you know, Janeway and her beloved phaser rifle. Ah. Oh. I'm just so proud of her. I know. It's so, it's so, 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 I'm so, I'm so excited. Like, I think it just said so, like, well, 20 times more. That's yes. how excited I am. But, yes. And I'm also excited for the scientist played by Alison Pill. Yes. <laughs> she is so adorable. And just, that's, it's another, you know, these are the characters that are just, super important to me are the the people mm. who uh, who are easily dismissed because they are small yes. because they have a high voice because they have a, a baby face or you know they're cute the um, tillies and yes and then when those people solve the problems and mm. jump into the fire and are you ready for the adventure and it's like yes so I'm I, I'm very excited, and I said when she was cast, I said, you know, Alison Pill would definitely play me in the movie. So <laughs> I am actually in Star Trek Picard. Do you remember the character Sonia Gomez in um, Star Trek: The Next Generation? She was in two episodes in season two, is she and she the was hot going to be. Girl? Yes, she yeah. is introduced spilling hot chocolate over Picard. And she was sort of a proto-Tilly. She was very young. She was a great engineer, but she wasn't very confident. And Geordie was going to mentor her and date her or whatever. Uh, and as much as I think that is a, a terrible idea because Geordie should never date anyone, I really like seeing her when I rewatch Q-Who. And I was sad that we never got that sort of clever, weird woman in TNG and now it feels like Star Trek is making up for it with yes. Tilly and now Alison Pill's character yes and I also just I really I I feel like I've said this before but I'm really excited for the you know misfits on the run in our little yeah yeah our, our ship that you know, our ramshackle ship and our crew of people who don't really get along but have to I'm ready yeah. for that dynamic to be in Star Trek. Yes, and I'm ready for Picard to lead that dynamic because it's sort of his dream as a man who aspires to be a private eye slash Indiana Jones. But his reputation is so staid that it's going to be so fun to see how people react. Yeah. I think he'll be, yeah, as you say, he'll really be in his element, mm. um, but still himself. So I'm ready. Yes. Very and fun. we... We have an older lady in an admiral's uniform, so I hope she's not outright evil and it's just a little bit misguided so I can love her properly. <laughs> I'm a simple woman. I have simple <laughs> needs. I just want to know her name. That would be nice too. I've been calling her Admiral Hel Helen Mirren. Yeah, I mean, everyone has. Oh. Because <laughs> she's faux Helen Mirren. <laughs> 
I do worry that she is going to be outright evil. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> it seems like Picard's on the wrong side of Starfleet. And so in order for Picard to be the heroic protagonist, yeah. Starfleet's going to have to be the antagonist. <laughs> Or, Maybe you know, one of not not the antagonist, mm. but mm. he's going to have an antagonistic relationship. But when don't they? Like he had an antagonistic relationship with Nechayev, and I love her. So as long as she's not so evil that I can't defend her, I think we're good. Okay. Mm. I did realize recently that the reason that I basically don't trust certain types of authority figures is because I grew up as a small impressionable child watching Picard deal with the Admiralty. So, whoops. <laughs> Aww. I know, how did that happen? Uh, so, yeah, we also have two new short tracks. And uh, a, a, another one coming out on the 14th, which is inconveniently timed for this podcast, but since they're not legally released in Australia, they're, you know... <laughs> it's inconvenient in general for you. Yes. Best not to ask how I watch them. <laughs> there are... There are websites that provide such services. Hey, it's not like you aren't paying for the program that will eventually have short tracks for you. Exactly. Though given that uh, Discovery is on Netflix and Picard will be on Amazon Prime and uh, some of the short tracks are Picard related, it's actually going to be curious to see which service picks them up. I'm sorry. Will they be split or...? Oh, I, I, I don't mind. I, I'm just curious to see how this falls out. So let's see. The first one was Q&A, which was Spock's first, really first like hour or hours on the Enterprise. And it was, it was very cute. It was another Michael Chabon script, which means I'm going to have notes. But uh, once I got over my, oh, these people again feeling, I mostly enjoyed it i found it adorable i really liked their their vibe and um i kind of started shipping it a bit yeah i mean i totally ship it i know i wait i'm not even sorry (laughs) because honestly i think that we're supposed to even though it it's like completely wrong because like we shouldn't be shipping this but i definitely do Look, if they didn't want us to ship it, they shouldn't have had number one telling Spock to get on his knees. Yeah, and ha- like, like, there was so much um, non-verbal acting. Yeah. Which was, it was necessary because they're in the enclosed space. Mm. And it would be boring if it was just two people talking at each other, you know, sitting on the floor. But... There were so many little gestures and looks and moments that I was just like, I'm, I'm gone with this. I, I, I didn't stop shipping like all the other things that I ship with the two of them, but it was definitely like, that is a ship that I'm adding to my list. <laughs> uh, I, I'm very into ships with a, male, a female mentor and a male protege, so yeah. Yeah, pretty appealing. Yeah, and if too. I wasn't so, if I wasn't so mad at these characters, I would be all over it. Aww, As see, it is, I just like it a bit. I'm like I'm angry at the writers and the situation and like the the angry fans that 
I, that were the the canon knights. Mm. I'm angry at those people. I'm not angry at the characters. I enjoy. I like the characters. I would like to get to that space, but we're not there yet. I, I you know, rewatching Unification with my flatmate a couple of months ago now. Uh, there's a bit where Spock says, "In the end, the arguments were all Sarek and I had," and I used to feel really bad for them, and now I'm like, "Well, you erased your sister from the official record, mate, so maybe he had a reason to be angry." <laughs> yeah. Sarek was angry on Michael's behalf. Headcanon accepted. I am now in Sarek. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I love Spock, but he is not a perfect person. No, no. And I found the message of Q&A kind of troubling that if you want to succeed in Starfleet, you need to seem normal. Oh, yeah. Like, that, that was terrible. Seem... <laughs> what, the, what the hell? I mean, I, like, I get it from one standpoint from the people who are like, Star Trek, uh, Starfleet is a military organization and therefore blah, 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 blah. And, like, I get that because they have ranks and they have uniforms and whatever. Mm. But I don't want them to be a military No, thing. no. And I know that's, it, you know, it's a century later from the, un- the in-universe standpoint, but this is a franchise where Picard can joyfully tell his crew about the video game he just started playing. You know, you can... Yeah. Starfleet is a place where you can be a weirdo. And I guess, I mean, I think that I can say that it's a character choice, not an actual Mm. Starfleet thing. If we're working under the assumption that I mean, Spock is already famous. Yes. Because he has got famous parents. Yes. And he doesn't fit in with Vulcans or humans. Like, that's just sort of a thing with Spock that has always existed. Yeah. So, from that standpoint, I can... And I'm, I don't know her backstory, but I know it's something like she she was also like super smart and and didn't fit in with her people and mm. went into Starfleet to escape or something, and so from a character standpoint, I can see like she's taking him under his wings and saying, "You are not acting Vulcan enough for the humans that make up this crew." So yeah, you have to tamp down tamp down on that, or you won't be accepted. And I can see that, but we don't really learn enough about Una as a character to understand where she's coming from. And when it finally comes out and Spock's like, so what do you hide? And we don't get an amazing revelation about her and her past and her personality. We get a Gilbert and Sullivan routine. Yeah, which is just, uh, again, it's 100 years later, but they definitely sing Gilbert and Sullivan in Next Generation. (laughs) More than once. (laughs) Yeah, so I feel like that's not weird. That's not, it's not weird now. No. Like, I just, I don't understand why being a a musical theater nerd (laughs) is like this damning, it's just strange. All I can think is that, isn't there some book canon where Una is genetically engineered? Again, I don't know. I, no, me I haven't read any of the books that she was in. 
Me neither. But I remember looking looking her up on Memory Beta to see the names that she's been given for a fic. And I'm sure one of them was a history where she grew up on a human planet and was genetically engineered to be number one, the best. And then she ran away and joined Starfleet. And so given the... Uh, taboo against genetic engineering that the Federation has. I'm assuming that she was on a non-Federation human colony. Um, maybe she was about to confide this in Spock, this terrible secret about her identity, and then was like, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I am the Medjimon. And, and Maybe. Yeah, I, like the, like, I like that's a better story than that's her big secret. Yeah. So I, I, I like it. Yeah. My actual theory is that Michael Chabon is not very good at writing women as people. <laughs> Oops. Well, I haven't read any of his novels, but uh, based on this and his other short trek, I just eh, have questions. Hmm. He was, uh, he was on the Star Trek Picard panel because he's like mm. in charge of that. And first of all, he was such a hippie. He was like an yeah. old hippie, and we—that's not—that is not an insult in any way. My parents were old hippies. Like, just, <laughs> just want to say that this is not in any way an insult. But he really had this like I'm trying to be Bob Dylan vibe, and the one thing that I really, really remember from that panel is the the woman mm. who, who is who she uh, is a director, I think, the Chanel. Hanalee Culpepper. Hanalee Culpepper. Um, She said that Star Trek administration was her Star Trek and that she didn't really like the original series. And that Mm. did not go over well with the audience, but it went over even worse with Michael Chabon. (laughs) And I was just like, there's like drama on this stage right now. (laughs) This is, that was the most interesting part of the panel. That um, is so I uncomfortable, was on though. Her side, <laughs> I was like, yeah, hey, with, with this one. Um, and I'm sorry, but Hanalee Culpepper is an African American woman, and white dudes have been saying for years that they were not really into TOS and not gotten any backlash or response. So, guys, you know who are we allowing to have opinions here? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, and so like uh, that didn't really sell me on Michael Chabon as as yay great guy. Like, mm. um, and I don't, he, it was Calypso, right? It was the other official. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even, I, I was bored. I don't remember what happened in that. Uh, it was just your bog standard man and woman who, who is an AI story. And we've had yeah. so much of that and in it, pop culture. I just, that... I just remember being like excited for it because, um, Hardison was in it. Yeah, but Naked I, Hardison on a ship, on a starship day. Yeah, that was exciting, right? But then I watched it and it was like, when it ended, I literally didn't, I had just watched it and I didn't remember what happened. <laughs> so it was just wasn't memorable. And, you know, that's, again, I can't say anything for, like, I can't say, oh, I don't like Michael Chabon because of these two things I've seen. I really enjoyed Q&A. It was, it was fun. It was cute. They are so charming both Rebecca yes. Romaine and Ethan Peck are so charming, and I just love them. And it was like their connection and the way that they acted off of each other was the first time where I was like, oh, okay, maybe I wouldn't hate a Pike series. <laughs> but he in person, and specifically his reaction to the idea 
that someone would prefer the next generation <laughs> quiz. Yeah. And it's like, it's a Picard panel. Like, hello. Yeah. Read the room. But most of the room was with him, so I guess. Yeah, I guess well. I'm the one who's a. Uh, Women at Warp had a really interesting interview with uh, Hannah Lee Culpepper a few episodes ago, and I strongly recommend checking it out because she talks about uh, the directing business and her her training and her background uh, and, and the work that it goes into making Star Trek diverse behind the scenes. And I thought it was a really it was a really good episode, and I really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed listening to her speak. So. Uh, I'm glad she's involved with Star Trek and people should let her have her opinions, which, by the way, are correct. <laughs> Very good. But she should be allowed to have her opinions even if they were wrong. Like, yes. I Everyone... suppose some people think TOS is entirely good and I guess they're allowed to. Everyone's opinion is valid, but it's not more valid than anyone else's. I would say that if your opinion is that there's too much diversity and social justice stuff in Star Trek, your opinion is... I don't think that's is... an opinion, though. Like... Well, it's definitely not a fact. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I guess... Uh, I don't know. I can't, I can't, uh, I can't explain. But... Okay. But I, I, I know what you're getting at. Anyway, uh, yeah, I just... I liked a lot of things about that Q&A. I just wish... It had treated Una as more of a character and less of a bit. A collection of responses. Yeah, yeah. She's largely responsive to Spock, which, you know, it's characters trapped in an elevator and getting to know each other. And there is a certain level of give and take and responsiveness, but she gives very little. Yeah, I think that the issue is we already know who Spock is. Yeah. We have... 50 plus years of Spock. Yeah. Whereas number one is still to this day very much a mystery. Right. It's only in the last 12 months she got a name. <laughs> and she was in the pilot. This is sad. Yeah. Let's move yeah. on to the next one. <laughs> Do you eat meat? Are you a meat eater? I, I am not a meat eater, no. Okay. I, I very much am. And I would go on the record as saying I would eat a tribble. I'm thinking some sort of southern deep fried bit of breading, bit of coleslaw on the side. I would, I would absolutely eat a fried triple. I said this to my flatmate who is also vegetarian and she stared at me and she was driving so I really wished that she would stop staring at me and keep driving. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I also have some thoughts on Kelpian recipes so I'm probably an outlier. <laughs> but look, Giorgio started it. I, I... Um, but we definitely know that Kelpians are definitely sentient. <laughs> yes, I wouldn't the eat. Are, are uh, up in the air, but yeah, I'm a I'm a vegetarian. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I think it's pretty clear that tribbles are not sapient, and eating them is no more or less ethical than eating any other kind of meat. However, you feel about that, uh, I I just just think you know like McNuggets, Tribble McNuggets. Would you eat a cat? No! But that's the thing. Cats are domesticated. Whereas, you know, in some countries, particular dogs are bred for eating and it's considered a bit of a delicacy and becoming unfashionable. But to people who grew up eating that kind of meat, that's pretty normal. 
I've eaten goat. Yeah, so I've been a vegetarian <laughs> since I was seven. So you would rather not hear more about my adventures in eating I, animals? I, 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 this is another thing. I am not. I would never lecture at someone for their choice of what to eat, unless it was like a person. Okay, obviously, I would I not eat a person or a kelpian or anyone who is definitely sentient. But I, yeah, I, and it, it was. It's funny because when I was in. I'm going to say eighth grade. Mm. I got really tired of explaining why I was a vegetarian because I don't know. It's, it didn't seem strange to me. It was like, it was my choice and I shouldn't mm. have to prove it. I shouldn't have to, you know, yeah, have it's a, a perfectly normal thing of, but I, I guess it was then. I mean, now it's much more accepted. And I was at a like conference for science nerds. Mm. Um, women. It was. It was also. It was a women in science thing um, mm. in eighth grade. I just have a very vivid rem- m- memory of this. And I was in the, you know, you you get a lunch with your ticket to go to the conference, right? Yes. And, and again, I'm like in eighth grade, so I'm like twelve. At mm. least. I was under twelve, <laughs> and and I'm going through the line, and they were like trying to give me all this stuff, and I I said no, thank you. I'm a vegetarian. And they said, why? And I would say, you know, I just, I, I am. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't remember what I said as my, but I got to like the third person who asked me and I just said, because Spock's won. <laughs> and that shut them up. No one ever asked me again because <laughs> they were like, we don't want to go there. We don't want to know what that means. We don't want to talk about Star Trek. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> so... PSA, if you ever want people to ask, stop asking you why you're a vegetarian. Just reference Vulcans. <laughs> okay, if, if I become vegetarian, which is unlikely pending, you know, the climate change apocalypse, I will keep that in mind. I should say I don't eat cephalopods, I don't eat squids or octopi or anything like that because I think they're too intelligent. Fair. Very good. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I was not a big fan of this episode. I really didn't enjoy it, uh, no. this short trek. No, me neither. I enjoyed the bit where I thought about deep fried triple. <laughs> okay, so I think that, I think it was um, actually the Greatest Generation podcast. Mm. They watched the original series uh, triple episode. Yeah. Having not actually seen any of the original series. And they <laughs> decided that if you took it as a comedy, it was a good episode and it was very enjoyable. And if you just sort of like didn't try to force it to be a Star Trek episode, then then it was fine, right? Yes. And so I, I, I decided about halfway through this short trek, I was like, okay. They're trying to be funny, and I should just mm. find this funny, and then maybe I can enjoy it. But it just, okay, I don't actually like straight comedy. I like things that are uh, like a dramedy. I like there to be yeah. funny parts of my drama, but if it's trying too hard to be funny, then I 
definitely or if it's just like a you know like an Adam Sandler movie like I'm not that's just not mm, my thing which is yeah, you know, again yeah. people enjoy that and that's great people enjoy like airplane I do not <laughs> it's just it's just the way I am so I tried I tried to take this as lighthearted mm-hmm. but I it, I didn't like it also I will say that um, people had like you had said that you didn't like it before I watched it. I, I waited oh, like sorry. a week or two before I watched it. And I haven't seen the Harry Mudd short track. If mm. I wasn't doing this podcast, I wouldn't have watched it. Like I just knew from what people had been saying about this episode that it wasn't made for me and I wouldn't enjoy it. I just found it very mean-spirited as a piece of comedy set in the Star Trek universe. And I wouldn't have watched it either if it wasn't Star Trek related. I like, you know, your Mike Schur comedies, your your Brooklyn Nine-Nine and The Good Place, which is basically about weirdos doing their best and being funny along the way. But this just felt so mean. Like... Lynn Lucera, the captain, is thrown into this situation where she's not really capable of, of handling her crew yet. She is set up to fail. And then you have this complete asshole who is basically every gross guy who doesn't want to have a woman as his boss. Like, that's not funny. I can, I can watch that happen in any workplace. In my real life. Yeah, yeah. Like the whole scene where she's like this conversation is over and he's like no it's not because I don't say it's over men do this to women all the time he's just he 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 felt like that guy on twitter who always replies to tell women that they're wrong and I don't want to watch 20 minutes of Star Trek with him I don't want to see him in a Starfleet uniform. And then the whole thing where you think I'm dumb. I don't think you're dumb. And then the ending where he's just an idiot. I know that in our last episode, I I, I called Ash an idiot, but I said it with love and I was at no point his boss. Like, (laughs) I just, there's something, I don't know if ableist is the right word, but the obsession with intelligence as expressed in a very specific way was really off-putting yes even from this character who's not meant to be likable it brings it back to that what we're saying about the other one where it's like i don't want starfleet to be this place that Mm. that you you have to be intelligent in a certain way you have to be school smart yeah in order To, to make it because some people aren't school smart but that doesn't mean they're not smart it's just yeah. a different version of smart and, and like I hate Reg Barkley but I don't hate him because he's a weirdo I hate him because he's a creep if he hadn't been introduced creating sexual holodeck fantasy versions of his female co-workers I'd probably really enjoy him oh yeah so like I want that, to be that's positive, but I could, there's nothing positive about this one. I can't. Uh, I think triples I are very it. cute. Uh, I liked The triples seeing... were genetically, like, they, they were genetically altered for all time and then, then like, thrown it. Everything bad happens to triples in this episode. So if you like triples, this is horrible. It's like a yeah! It's a triple. <laughs> did you say triple apocalypse? You I sound... did. Okay. 
Yeah. Uh, I liked I liked the captain. I didn't think she was ready for captaincy, but I liked her as a character otherwise, and I liked her relationship with her other crew members, especially the Trill woman. Um, the fact that everybody on that ship already didn't like that guy, Edward, uh, is a so... problem. Like, yeah. he should be transferred off. If, he, if everybody knows that he's a problem, why is he still on the ship? Yeah, yeah. Why does he want to stay? I think, like, he is... This is the problem. This is the trouble with Edward. He is the kind of guy who would probably these days work at Google and write a manifesto about how women can't make it in tech. And... Yeah. You know, why should why should people like him? And yet why should people expect us, the audience, to find him funny? I don't know. I'd have no answers for you. I did not find him funny. I found him annoying. I wanted to punch him. Same. I uh, yeah, I I felt like she was being set up. I felt like everybody on the ship knew that this was a problem and none of them were trying to solve the problem. They were just trying to ignore it and hope that it went away yeah and then and he, even like you know he was like oh you can't ignore me i'm going to literally fill the entire ship with me oh yeah i wouldn't <laughs> eat a triple that had his dna in it well, don't they like, all like, now it's, I'm, very, I'm very confused and upset on the one hand it makes sense that they did not evolve to um breed as fast as they do because I always thought that was a bit odd on the other hand this short trek was terrible so I choose to believe that this is not the canonical origin of Tribbles and is in fact a story that they tell in the command training program to scare prospective captains so like (laughs) it's one of those things where yeah maybe maybe it doesn't make sense as um evolution you know, maybe the science of a triple doesn't make sense, but did we really need to explore that? We did not. Was it important to to figure out why triples are the way they are? Like it it just seems like triple was a cute little ball of fluff that got in the way and was a, a plot device for this silly episode of Star Trek. Yes. And that's and all it ever needed to be. Yeah, we did not need to overthink the triples. They were beloved for that. And now it's yes. a mess. I, I, I don't like David Gerald. I think he seems like a pretty unpleasant person. But I feel bad that his work has been treated like this. I just, I don't want to look at a triple and imagine Edward's <laughs> Like, that's disgusting. I'm very, I'm really, like... I have strong feelings about how awful this is for for tribbledom. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> um, sorry. Yeah. I again. I I I really try. I I I don't want to be sound like a hater. Um, where I'm like, I have a problem with this and I have a problem with that. It's just these particular things I have some problems with. No, no, look, I am very happy for you to be a hater when it comes to this episode. And honestly, if this is the worst that Star Trek produces in the 21st century, that's great. It's absolutely a low point. I'm going to call it the threshold of 21st century Star Trek. But it's okay. We can move on. Maybe 
one day in the future, just as we have Threshold Day on Tumblr, some kids will reclaim this short trek for themselves and, I don't know, the into Tribble. is ridiculous, but it isn't mean-spirited. No, no, and it has some wonderful character moments. It's just that they all turn into a lizard not, and have sex really and very... have lizard babies. <laughs> but that's, like, earnest. <laughs> and that's another thing where it's like, uh, that is a science that doesn't work. Threshold yes. does not work as science, but I also don't think we ever need to have a short truck to explain it. <laughs> we can Excuse it me, be. I'm about to call CBS and pitch my short trek about revisiting the lizard babies 20 years on. <laughs> the, 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 they would have to have psionic powers, I think. And also be able to manifest themselves as high-profile guest actors. Oh. Yeah. Now I'm going to be sitting here casting the lizard babies. Well, it's better than thinking about this episode. <laughs> True. Good point. Oh, I did have one more whinge, though, and it comes back to my feeling about how intelligence is framed in this short trek, that Pike's advice to Lynn as she prepares to take command that she's going to be dealing with people who aren't as smart as her on the one hand, I can see what he means. And I think learning to manage people who are not necessarily on the same page as you or are moving at a different pace is a really important skill to develop, even if you're not a leader. But then you couple it with the entire story and it's it's just another weird case of, what are you trying to say here? Is, is, is his way of warning her about a problem crew member? Yeah. I, yeah. And I mean, that was my my main problem with season two of Discovery is what is the message? There is yeah. not one. Yeah. And so, and be this, you're right. The message is people suck. Like I don't I don't know what the message is. What is the message? The message is I don't know. It's hard to get along with some types of people. I mean, it, it seems like a attack. I don't know. I, it seems like they're trying to be sort of tongue in cheek and say mm. something about Star Trek discourse with this episode. Yes. But and I hate Star Trek discourse and I'm still like angry on their behalf if this is the response. I have seen uh, reviews that interpreted it as a criticism of that guy in Star Trek fandom who hates women and who thinks that Star Trek is all about the canon and not about ideas or imagination or pushing any kind of boundary. And I can see that interpretation. I just don't, I don't choose to spend my time with that guy. Why do I have to watch him? Why do I have to see him in a Starfleet uniform? Yeah. It's, it's like you're, you're giving him attention. Mm. If you, if that's really what you're doing. And yeah. I don't, I don't know that that's what they're doing. It's just like, I can, I understand why that's being interpreted this way. Mm. Yeah, because I don't know what the message is, other than he's an idiot, and sometimes yeah. you have to deal with idiots, and they shouldn't be in Starfleet, and it's like what? I don't understand. Like, we have certainly had episodes of Star Trek where they have to deal with idiots, and it's generally, generally the message is they're still people and they still deserve respect, even if they're making bad choices or being unpleasant or generally. You know, when they have their comeuppance, it's not usually like this. Right. And I don't want, and I, I firmly, 
I absolutely under like can deal with the idea that Starfleet has blinders on and and they mm. only want the best and the brightest. And that's why I like Voyager best because they don't get the best and the brightest <laughs> in Voyager. No, and, they get a bunch of idiots with parent issues. And and that's great. That's what I want because that's what most of the world is. Like, yeah. And, and those are more interesting stories. It's more interesting to see the person who doesn't have his whole life handed to him on a silver platter mm. for whatever reason, money, talent, looks, etc. Mm. And still does amazing things. Yeah, and this felt like a version of Voyager where Janeway gets sick of Neelix and piffs him out in airlock. Yeah, exactly. Janeway mm. never gave up on Neelix. <laughs> and <sighs> Neelix became a better person. Yeah, yeah. Her time paid off. And certainly, do you watch The Good Place? I love The Good Place. It okay. Makes, the, it makes me cry. Like, <laughs> uh, Yes. But, you know, this, this current final season has this character of Brent who is basically that rich white dude who's had everything handed to him and who thinks he's a hero and part of the story is trying to get through to him that he has to improve and I feel like the trouble with Edward almost like Edward is very similar in that lack of self-awareness but I, I, I just think it's a bad story I think it was a bad script and I'm sorry because the actors were very likable and I liked the little ship. I enjoyed the Johnny Appleseed montage and the dedicated triple, triple vacuum cleaner. But yeah, I'm just going to go and eat my fried chicken and not think about it anymore. Okay, good plan. I'm not really going to eat fried chicken because it's 10 o'clock in the morning, but I could if I wanted to. <laughs> you enjoy that. I will, thank you. Ah. <laughs> oh. All right, well, uh, <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've said a lot, so I guess and we yet. should wrap up. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and I, I just read what we're doing next. To rem I just reminded myself, and it's like, oh, ha, 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 ha. Well, Oops. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be great. We're great, guys. I, I promise <laughs> that we are very positive people. <laughs> that okay. doesn't mean we don't have critiques <laughs> oh right. tell the people what we're doing thank you for listening to antimatter pod you can find our show notes at antimatterpod.tumblr.com including links to our social media and credits for our theme music you can also follow us on twitter at at antimatterpod sometimes we post cat pictures and questions for our audience if you like us, leave a review on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us and tell your friends. And join us in two weeks or one week. I'm not exactly sure. Join It'll us next weeks. time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when we'll be discussing Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Let's go climb a mountain. That's ridiculous. I would never do that.